Welcome, lovelies, to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools, as well as my solo shows where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. Hello, everybody. Today, I am interviewing Shari Teagman. Now, Shari is actually my performance coach, and we hang out every month for 45 minutes, and honestly, she puts my head right back where it needs to be. Shari is a performance coach and creative business strategist who teaches the Maverick Method to become the optimal you for your optimal life and business. She works with high-level CEOs, entrepreneurs and startups to unleash their inner maverick and to remove the bottlenecks that keep them stuck and small to catapult them into the next level of well-being and success in all areas. She has been in business for over eight years and works with private clients and now runs the coaching department for the biggest sales and marketing training company in the UK. Folks, I really wanted to share some time with Shari and with you because Shari comes into my memberships for my paid clients. And not only does she put my mindset right every month, but she also runs a session in my membership for my ladies and gents. And she blows them away month after month, sends them off with a maverick, motivated, empowered mindset, and really is one of the pivotal assets in my business. So enjoy everybody. I think you're going to love this interview. Shari, thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody, I can't tell you how excited I am for you to have um, a listen and spend some time with Shari and I today. Um, Shari is a little bit like uh, a mindset superhero. <laughs> she kind of has this magical um, ability to just know exactly what needs to come out of her mouth to tell you what you need to hear and when. And um, I'm very lucky to have Shari as my own um, performance coach and to share her with you today. So we're sharing Shari. Hi, Shari. <laughs> Hello, my darling. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I adore working with you. I adore being in your commuting community, getting to see all the magic that happens. So I'm very excited to take this to another level and get us in everyone's ears today. Thank you. And just to get started, like for those people that don't really work with coaches or mentors, how do you explain what it is that you do exactly for, for bosses? Sure. Great. So um, I am a performance mentor and creative strategist. So I work, work both on the mindset and the business of people's lives and businesses. I work mainly with business owners, but I do work just in people's lives because we are the 
the um, heads of our lives and businesses in the same way. And sometimes people just need it from one doorway to another. So I like to say I work with the non-average Joes and Janes to help them find and unleash their inner mavericks. So um, whether it comes on how to strategize getting and fulfilling the goals and the dream life you want, or understanding what holds you back in from the past, from the present, from your belief systems, I kind of, it's this patchwork of both strategy and magic that come together to really help us unearth the best version of ourselves without following everyone else's rules. Mm. And I've had some great sessions with you. I've been very lucky to be working with you for the last few months. And it's sometimes, the most bizarre thing that I find is we can spend a whole 45 minutes together and sometimes it's just this one little mindset tweak that you encourage. And I go away with this kind of, ah, moment (laughs) where kind of everything else falls into place because you've just got me to look at something from a slightly different perspective. And, you know, yeah. So ironically, people think that I plan these things. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth either. It's very intuitive process for me. So what I do is I listen to what someone is saying, and then I can hear underneath what they're saying. And sometimes it's either a pattern of speech. It could be a body language thing. It's just an intuitive thing. And it's just, it's a combination lock, us getting the results we want. No one is broken. No one is more capable than someone else. It doesn't matter. There's some people who love to hustle. There's some people who like more of the manifestation side. I believe I'm trademarking. It's woo and do. We need both the change in our state, our connection to our energetics, as well as getting shit done. I don't know if we're allowed to curse on here. So if we're not, you can bleep me out. Um, So it's really about understanding what we think we know and then what's underneath why we do that thing over and over again. And so for me, it's just this really... Um, intuitive listening. And sometimes, like you said, it is that one sentence or that one word, or people say to me, how do you know what I'm thinking? I don't know how to explain it. I just do. But we don't change just because someone says something to us or just because there's another great book on our nightstand that we read. And it's not because we don't know enough. We all have enough ideas and enough information. It's finding those transformation combination locks for ourselves and then letting it marinate and letting it start to live in us until we're ready for the next combination unlock. I love that actually, because it does feel like very often you just give me the key to unlock the potential. And in fact, that leads me on to the first question I had for you, actually, because as you know, my industry is the dance world and we are very lucky to have you in my membership actually once a month. So you've kind of started to get to know us dancers a little bit recently. Um, But one of the things that, you know, strikes me, I sometimes sit back and I look at some of my clients and I have clients that range from people who have just started schools or only have a really tiny, tiny school, 20, 30 students, right up to people that have like multiple locations, five, six, seven hundred students. So there's a real variety. And both of those principals, both of those studio owners can be working the same number of hours. Both of them can be doing very similar strategies and things and working hard to grow their business. But one is clearly having much bigger, more successful results than the other. And so I would love to know, what is your take on, like, I believe we all have greatness inside of us. We all have a genius button that we can turn on. And some of us seem to be able to to kind of access that genius button and others just seem to struggle to find that. Like, what is the difference between someone that can be great and somebody that seems to struggle so much? 
Uh, I love the question as you knew I would. I agree with you. I believe everyone has greatness in them. I don't think that any someone has more potential than someone else. Um, simply said, and once you get to know me, we don't do simple or brevity. So I will try to not make this a 45 minute answer. I would say the two elements that come into play here, which are the differentiating factors are belief and permission. So the destinations can be the same, but we have to, number one, believe that it's possible for us and then figure out or be shown the how. And I'll explain that in a minute. And then we need to give ourselves the permission to go out and do it. And it sounds really easy and very trite, like, oh, but Shari, I don't have a problem. I'm not holding myself back. I do want that. Our permission-based aspects come from our subconscious, not from a, I need to hand you a hall pass with a little Shari smile on it. And all of a sudden you can go do it. Our beliefs, our patterns, and our habits are what will keep us from giving ourselves permission to be bold, brave, and what I would call maverick, to go out and get what we say we want. Um, and our subconscious will hold us back. So even if we say we want it, the belief system between where we are and where we want to go is either going to be the bottleneck or the um, fuel under our feet to get there. Now, this has nothing to do with you not wanting it enough. It's not because you're not smart enough. You haven't put enough hours in. It really comes down to this bravery and curiosity viewpoint rather than all the logistics and all the fears. I've said this to you, Deborah, before and in the community. We all think we're afraid of failure. Not one person I know, and I work with thousands of people, is afraid of fa failure. We are terrified of success because failure is something we're familiar with. It plugs back into our mind stories. It goes to our monkey mind. It's every bad memory we have, and it feeds into you know, that voice inside of you that said, see, I told you you shouldn't have taken that risk. I told you you shouldn't have tried that. We knew it was going to fail. Now we have more to clean up. We're unfortunately really comfortable with that voice. When we cross over the threshold into success, we not only need to learn how to stretch ourselves to become the person who can have that result, we then also have to become the person who figures out how to um, integrate that with the rest of our lives, our families. We are pack animals. So if I step out of the realm of what I think is allowed, and now I'm worried that I'm going to go to the pub with my mates and I'm not whinging with them anymore and I'm going to be set out of the village, or I go to a holiday meal with my family and I'm now doing better than anyone in my family has ever done, I don't fit in anymore. So our success dreams and the reality of what happens when we get it are not connected. So we need to be able to stretch ourselves to that version of success to then be able to fit where we used to fit without losing our space. And we need to know how to repeat it, which is also the terrifying piece of success. So I can have a great month or a great result or a great show if I'm a dance teacher. And then my greatest fear is now that's the baseline. I can't go back to who I was. I now have to have that or better every month because the they out there, imaginary they, are watching me. And now if I succeeded once, then the fall from glory is going to be even further. I'd rather stay closer to the floor and no one's watching me. It's a lot less scary. So it's it's hard to hear that, but that is, those are the two things, no matter how else you want to package it, that are what either move us forward or take us back. And sometimes it can be in a day, the dance goes back and forth, pardon the pun. 
It's so interesting because I think if you were to talk to somebody that feels like they're working so hard but not achieving and getting the results, I'm sure they would sit here and frown and like, but I do want it. Like I am working so hard. I'm putting the hours in. Surely I wouldn't do that if I don't want the success. But it's, it's, as you said, it's a really deep subconscious level where we're still managing to to stop that success from happening. So how, how like everyone that's listening, listeners that are sitting here going, oh my gosh, maybe this is me. <laughs> like, where do we go from here? Like, quick, help. <laughs> so ironically, that hard work thing is sometimes the thing that stops us from the success. And I know everyone's going to think like, what, did she just say don't work hard? That is not what I'm saying. We can busy ourselves to be busy fools to think we are in control of the outcome because as long as I'm putting the time in, I will be successful. Now, it drives me crazy the way our current society is, but if that were the case, if hard work was what made us successful, then every janitor and um, construction worker would be the billionaires and the guys who sit on their laptops for an hour would be homeless on the street. So we have to take a real look at where the hard work thing is coming from, a lot of us were built with that Puritan work ethic is, you know, and it could be generational for us. It could be religious background. It could be voices from our families. Whatever it is, is if we work hard, then we get excused for if we don't get the results because at least we're putting hard work in. We aren't being lazy. So that grind protects us actually from finding out what else there is. So I know you agree with me on this. We've had deep discussions about this. The energetics of life matter equally, if not more than the hard work. And that's about simply said, writing your mind, fixing your mindset, hearing the negative stories and the negative self-talk that go on nonstop in your mind. You could be putting the work in, but if you already have the belief that every time one of your dance students cancels, the story runs of, ah, it's going to snowball. I'm going to have no customers left. That you're doing this back and forth that all the hard work that goes in gets depleted by your energetic viewpoint on what happens. So it's about writing how you see it. And I'm not saying live in pretend land. If anyone has ever heard me talk, I am the least positive vibes only life coachy kind of thing, even though it's what I do. I don't believe in spiritually bypassing reality. I want you to feel what you're feeling. The fear fears are real. If we try to pretend that the reality of an empty class or kids canceling or parents being frustrating is not there, you're not actually working on what the issue is. The, the key here is finding out what's real for you now. So the way I like to akin this to is you go to an amusement park and there's a roller coaster you've heard about and you're dying to go on it. You rush into the ro- into the amusement park right when the gates open and you start running, but you have no idea where you're going. If you don't slow down to find the map, to find out where you are in relation to the roller coaster, you will waste all of your time, energy, and excitement on searching for a place you don't know where it is. It is the same thing with the success and hardworking, quote unquote. We need to find out where we are, find out what are the things that stand in our way from getting to where we want to go. And that's both on the mindset and energetic side. And then maybe this overworking is actually keeping us from success because I know with dance studios, I know with any in-person sort of things, I work with a lot of PTs and um, kickboxing uh, academies, things like this. We're working in the business, not on the business. So you're being the worker bee, and then you're trying to be the queen bee all at the same time. And you're playing two roles that actually don't speak to each other. You're canceling out. So the hard work is probably in the 
grind of the day to day and you're not in enough big vision that you can't you may not be able to diagnose very easy problems that you could see if you were up on the observation deck and you're so proud of the hard work and proud of the busyness and the grind so that your dance teachers are watching you. And if I need to model that, you need to model finding the CEO version of yourself. And that requires just like an Olympic athlete, rest days and time away and time on the business instead of in the business. When you can learn to step out, you can see where that busyness will be helping you and where it hinders you. So it's not instead of, it's alongside of. You'll work smarter rather than harder. I think that is just so profound because obviously I work with a lot of different, you know, a lot of different clients that come into my membership and they all have different mindsets that they bring in with them. And what I see from time to time, in fact, actually, I'm going to be honest, a lot of the time, (laughs) I was trying to be kind, but I'm I'm going to just say it as it is. What I see a lot of the time is people that come in with all the right intentions. Like they come in, they join my membership. I have this lovely onboarding kind of orientation call with them. I show them where everything is. I show them where our trainings are all kept. We go through this little exercise where we kind of identify their strengths and their weaknesses and what the business needs from them. And then I point them in the right direction. And they're sent with love to go and start creating magic. And then some people do exactly that. And they thrive and they push themselves and they start to create exciting change in their business. And life is hunky-dory. But then there are those that have a little look around. They kind of know what they need to be working on and what they need to do. But it just doesn't really start to happen. And then several months goes by and they kind of start to say, I'm just too busy. I'm just, I'm, I'm up to my eyes in show. I'm up to my eyes in exams. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Like I don't have time. Like it's not really a case of they don't have time, is it? It's, is, do you think it is that lack of knowing what to do or do you I think, think it's, more, is, it's scary to reprioritize because if what they've done until now has gotten them the results that it's gotten them, it's very scary for a human brain to put a new strategy in place while also holding the door open for what they've had already. So if someone is already in motion, um, it's ironic because it sounds as though I was saying it would be greater to just start with beginners, but it it isn't because they're still too idealistic to realize what, where the work needs to be done. So when you have someone who has already gotten results, some good, some bad, you know, a mix, a cocktail of everything, like most of us have in our businesses, we're so afraid of losing what we figured out how to do that we almost act like those hilarious athletes in a playoff game where they wear the same pants and they have to put their shoes on with the right foot and the left foot. They have like these strange rituals. They're so afraid that if they don't do what they've done again and again, they're going to lose what they have. So a new strategy or taking time out to look at something differently is so terrifying to them for that success and failure spectrum we talked about earlier. If I put the work in and I don't get the results, then I have no place else to go. If I don't do the work and I just stay busy, then at least there's something out there over yonder that I can get to eventually when I'm not too busy or when I can finally outsource things. It's this um, delay of gratification so that we don't actually have to face our fears and our dreams simultaneously because growth is scary and getting out of our comfort zone is scary. And on the other side of that is our next level of success, but we have to become the people who are brave enough to be able to be in that in-between unknown phase. And most of us like our known discomfort far more than our unknown discomfort. It's that simple. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the ironic thing is their intentions from the start are 1000% true. It's not that we're lying to ourselves that we want it. We do want it. We're just afraid to do the work that it takes to get there because we have to unbelieve and unpack something that we don't know how to do to take away what we think we know works to then find out what else is possible. And all of that is just far too scary for some people, which is why community is so important because we need to know that we're not alone. We're not the only people feeling this way and incremental growth is what's sustainable. We're not asking anyone to tear apart what they have and open it up in a different way. It's this slow incremental percentage by percentage, a little bit of a pivot, a little bit of a reframe. Let me try this. Let me split test. Let me ask. And people are afraid to put that work in because they're not sure what they're going to find within themselves and in the business. Mm, That's really interesting, actually, that you mentioned community, because, for example, you know, it's a little bit like your mum tells you to do something and you don't listen, but somebody else comes along and tells you the same thing. And then you're like, oh, okay," like you're hearing it for the first time. (laughs) Like I hear that a lot. And I think, you know, a lot of it is just like you said, like I'm the person that can can mentor or teach or show someone the way in how to do something but actually they need their their sisterhood they need their their tribe to actually say oh do you know what I did do what Deborah said and it's fine you're gonna be okay like it worked and then someone else comes along and says I was scared too but I did it and it worked for me as well and and it's almost like you need that social proof around you Well, there's also the the biggest piece here is when we stay by ourselves with any sort of growth, whether it's in our relationships, whether we're not being open with our children, whether it's in our business, we build this layer of shame that then becomes a wall between us and connecting to actually what we want. So when we move that shame and we come into vulnerability of being able to say in our safe community, I'm afraid to do this, or I don't know if it's going to work. I'm afraid to turn everything upside down. When we're in that fear and scarcity mindset, we move to the always and nevers, which neither are true, but it sounds very dramatic. It's like we're walking off the edge of a plank. When we remove that shame, when we find out that through our vulnerability, it's a me too of everyone else has been through this or everyone else. It's not just me who feels it. I see it on our mindset calls once a month, the nodding called the nod factor. They don't have to answer. I see it all over their faces. Oh, I thought it was only me. When we don't feel as ashamed or scared of the fact that I'm just broken, something's wrong with me, everyone else seems to just be able to do it, then all of a sudden there's a leveling of the playing fields of like, oh, it's not just me. My mind is running me somewhere it doesn't need to go. And now I can start to look at solutions and strategies and try new things. But we have to lower the guard on the fear and the shame before we can try new things. Otherwise, they'll always drive the bus. And I think one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest things that dance school owners have to face, you know, that aren't in, say, a membership like mine, is that they're trying to figure all this out on their own, like completely on their own. You know, they have sometimes very supportive partners or parents or friends, but, you know, it's a very isolated industry, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people running a small business. A lot are, a lot of small businesses are, and especially with the dance school kind of environment, a lot of the dance school owners will have learned it on the knee of someone else, which means they have the bad habits and patterns of whoever they worked for that that was their mentor they apprenticed for, number one. Number two, industries have changed. We now have technology and social media, which can do a lot of the heavy lifting instead of standing on the street with flyers. Like we don't realize that old ways sometimes are amazing and still work and new ways 
are um, sometimes too innovative and sometimes they're the answer. So a lot of people inherit the bad, overworking, busy, proud ha habits of wherever they trained and then felt ready to go. Um, and also, no matter how supportive your partners and friends are, they're not in the business. So they go to sleep at night. Their advice can come from love and care, but it may be coming from keeping you safe. It may be go get a regular job, love, because it'll just be easier and then you won't be so stressed out. So we always have to monitor where our loved one's um, advice and support is coming from, not ill-intended, but it's not always so helpful, I'll just say it flat out, which is why communities of people who do what we do in whatever industry we're in are the real place because it's the most objective and mo most realistic way of getting support in what your issue is. You can go back to your family and friends for the love and support and celebration, but they don't have the answers to a marketing problem. They don't have the solution to um, a parent or communication problem. And when we start going to them, it's like if you've been pregnant and you ask every one of your friends, or they don't ask, they all tell you about their pregnancy. That has nothing to do with your pregnancy. So then you've got a cacophony of voices in your head that are completely irrelevant to your issue. And yet it seems like advice when it isn't. Mm, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned this last year since I've been in um, in my own mastermind, you know, I've got my, my own coach, um, is that, you know, Number one, you, you get a coach or a mentor because they help you with your vision. Number two, they help you create your strategy. Number three, they help you kind of focus in on your task. But number four, they provide you with a community of like-minded people that can support and champion you. And I didn't really realize until I was in that <laughs> how important that is to have peers around you and also peers around you that are maybe that little step further ahead, which now that, um, you know, Dance Business Lab has been going two and a half years, you know, there are people that have been with me from the start that have learned and implemented a lot and are still growing and have maybe grown a little bit more courage and have, have got used to working outside the box because, you know, I get my pokey stick out and I push them kindly outside of the, of the box. And those people are there now to be the inspirers for, you know, sometimes for the rest of the group. And I think, you know, that whole peer learning position is, is quite vital, I think, um, especially from what you've just been saying on our on our chat today. So I thought I would just share with you guys today the um, planners that I have produced for dance school owners because these are flying out of Amazon like hotcakes. And if you don't have yours yet, then all you have to do is pop to Amazon and type into the search Deborah Laws and all three books will come up. So the ultimate dance business planner I designed for you so that you had a little bit of a Deborah on your desktop. <laughs> the planners are full of business training, tips, motivational quotes, uh, things to do at the start of the month, things to do at the end of the month, ways in which you can plan out your marketing and your retention. And they are selling all over the world. So go to Amazon, grab your number one best-selling ultimate dance business planner and enjoy mapping out the growth for your studio. So it, it, I love 
everything you said, yes, I agree with. And it, what's ironic is it doesn't only have to be people who have exact businesses like you. It's more the next step forward because there may be, look, in the mastermind you're in, it is not a dance school specific thing, but it's a business minded thing. And sometimes we need to step out of the passion for what we do into a business marketing sales mind separate from dance in this instance, because our passion for something can block or um, misguide us as to what the business needs rather than the passion. A lot of people like dancers will be so passionate about what they do that they'll mistake a move as a, it's best for the business versus it's best for the dancers. What we need is a structure in which the passion can fit within. The other piece that I love that I want to highlight that you said is about this peer learning we're all terrified of a beginner's mind. I'm 48 years old. I don't like learning new things. I get annoyed just like I did when I was five. I'm uncomfortable. I like mastery. I don't like to ask for help. So if we are alone in our beginner's mind, we either ignore the work or we mess it up because we're in our own creative silo, giving answers to ourselves that we have no idea what the hell we're doing using old strategies that don't work. So that peer mind is we're not alone in this beginner's thing. And it doesn't mean anything about you other than you're learning something new. It doesn't take away all your expertise and all of the accomplishments. It's not one or the other. It's this joint combined scaffold of growth and uncovering that is what gets those people who make it versus those people who don't. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. I know we're probably blowing people's minds right now. Those people that have, have had a few sessions with you now are probably just sucking, soaking it up and thinking, yes, this is more Shari awesomeness. Those those people that haven't come across you before are probably having their minds blown. Like I know you do you, you have that impact the first time people hear you. Um, what What I would love to ask is, for those people that are working in a very solitary way, they're not part of a mastermind, they're not part of my membership, They, they maybe the only way they've got of reaching out to get help is on a few social media groups with similar kinds of people. Like, what advice do you give those people that are trying to go it alone, that are listening to all the things that you said today, everything's resonating, they're recognizing themselves but they are alone doing it, you know, by themselves, how can they take steps that will positively help them? So this may sound a little crazy, but stay with me on this. For clients who are not ready to jump into a community or mentorship or all that for whatever reasons, um, your best bet is to get yourself a big new notebook and you become your own coach. Um, I guide my clients through this very strange exercise that I call the board of directors exercise. And a piece of paper comes out and you sit at a table or on the floor and you choose how many voices there are. So there's a page for fear. There's a page for motivation. There's a page for the successful version of you. You find all the voices that are running all the time anyway. I know I'm making you sound schizophrenic, but I'm not. We all have these voices constantly going. And you move from seat to seat and you actually write down on the paper, what is fear saying about the next step of our business? Then you move to the next paper and spend a good 15, 20 minutes on it and let it all out, even if it makes no sense. Let out the stream of consciousness that is coming from there. Then move to what is drive and motivation. The, the, the version of me was already at the success. What do they see our next steps as? And then we move to... Um, 
whatever else is in there, whether it's, I need collaboration, I'm not good at doing this on my own. A lot of my business owners will feel like that inner little boy or girl is like, I'm out of my realm. I'm not, I'm not a grown up business owner. I just loved what I do. And this was accidental how I got there. Let that version of you write out what it's feeling. So you're taking it all from out of your head and you're taking apart these pieces and then you take a look and you make a new plan. And I know it sounds nuts, but you cannot imagine how impactful this is because what you're doing is separating this, what I like to call creative constipation, where it's all mushed and muddy in your mind. You're taking out and taking an objective look at what is going on in your head, what is holding you back, what is driving you forward. And then you create a new, almost pick a mix of, okay, the fear isn't going anywhere and has some valid points, but it can't be the driver of my business anymore. And the success version of me has got great ideas, but I don't have a team of 60 like she thinks I do in my head. So how can I marry the ideas of all these five or six voices for a new, just this quarter plan? What are our new next steps? What are our priorities? Is everyone in agreement? And you really spend an afternoon visioning with yourself and all of the parts of you that are involved in the process, whether you like it or not. And you will be absolutely amazed at that self-permission that comes from actually hearing what's going on in your mind. A lot of why we don't do what we want to do, as you asked earlier, why do we just not follow through is because it is so loud in our heads without us wanting to acknowledge it that we get crippled by our own thought processes that we can't battle ourselves anymore. And we don't realize that's why we sabotage. That's why we procrastinate. That's why we get overwhelmed. We don't even need anyone else from the outside. We're not even talking angry dance parents. We're not even up to that. We've got our own war going inside. So calming that down and understanding what each voice has to say to us will already bring a lot of unity and peace within yourself to then go out and believe and trust the next steps that are coming. You know, I literally have goosebumps. <laughs> I love this game. I want to play this game with I do you. This all the time for myself and with clients. I do this when people are having relationships issue, relationship issues, issues in their family, issues with their body. There's just so much going on. We retain so much stuff from other people, from society, from culture that we don't even have our own voices anymore. And then we wonder why we can't get anywhere. Do you know, I love, we have, like you say, we, we have all these different kinds of voices that talk to us, our internal voice. And I love the idea of picking them all apart, right? recognizing them all as different people or different entities, mm -hmm. and then giving each one space because they are all valuable, even in those. And they're not going there. anywhere if we ignore it. I don't know about you, but mine get louder. So, <laughs> and you know, some of them can be destructive, but they're destructive for a reason too. And to sit and recognize each one of those voices. But the, the most exciting bit for me of what you said from this kind of crazy method, which I love, um, is you then get to decide who's going to be in the driving seat. Absolutely. Like which one of these people, these little minions that we've created, like which one are you going to pop back at the head of the table? Which one do you need to show up for you the most in the next minute, the next hour or the next term or whatever? Like acknowledge all these other voices, give them all credit for what they bring to you because some of them keep you safe and some of them keep you from going crazy and some of them make you rest. Yeah. And some of them, you know, they, they all have worth, but 
the most important one is we don't want fear driving the seat. We don't want procrastination driving our seat. We don't want laziness driving our seat. We don't want nothing but pure drive and, you know, competition mode to be driving our seat because that will exhaust us and we'll be burnt out. Exactly. Even the ones we wish we had more of, we, it's imbalanced. It's just not the way a nervous system can handle it. And we can't leave our bodies outside of the process because this is why people burn out. We push too hard or let me just do three all-nighters and I'll be fine. There's nothing left of you. The ideas don't come out well. You know, it's almost like that stroppy kid in the supermarket on the floor. They didn't get like that because anyone listened to them. So it's the reason the voices get so loud is because we're ignoring them. When we give them a voice, even a name, mine all have names, obviously, because I'm a creative and it makes me laugh. And then in the moment when I think something's going wrong, I'm like, oh, Roxy, the bitchy one is now running the show and she's not the one who should be driving this. We're going to go straight into a ditch just on spite. I am feisty as all hell, which works sometimes, but a lot of times can work against me. And we need to soften. And it's like you've got a switchboard in front of you. And you need to know when to turn who up and who down. And while it may sound nuts, think about it for a minute of when things have flowed in your life and when they haven't, it's when you felt in control of yourself and in self-trust and in self-belief everything flows easily. As soon as we feel out of sorts, out of control on someone else's pace, there's like emergency alarms going on inside of us and we make poor decisions and then we have to clean them up and we don't know how. Mm. And you know, something is literally kind of popping into my head as we're having this conversation. One of the things that we all really struggle with, those of us that run dance schools, is the email or the conversation or the text that comes from a parent that basically criticizes or complains or is being, you know, um, unkind. And, you know, some of the time, most of the time, you know, all our friends and family and husbands and partners, you know, say, oh, just don't worry about it. Forget about it. Let it wash over you. And I know for a fact, and everyone's nodding whilst they're walking their dogs <laughs> and doing their dishes, that, you know, you get that one email and it sits with us for hours. Like it really is upsetting. But I'm thinking now, if I could see myself at the board table and I could see that actually that's just... um doubtful Debbie <laughs> showing up exactly. today. Exactly. You know, that's that's oversensitive Debbie that's, um, you know, allowing this to just completely absorb and take over the boardroom. Like we can say, okay, she's allowed to be upset. It's, it's personal. Our business is personal, but, you know, let's put someone else in the driving seat so that we can. And how do we nurture on. doubtful Debbie in the moment? Okay. Everyone stop the meeting. We're going to have a cup of tea. We're going to sit down. We're going to whinge. We're going to cry. We're going to write a letter to our inner child to look, if it didn't touch a part of us, we wouldn't care. We would laugh it off. And if you think about it, there are some parent letters or emails or texts that just feel so ridiculous that you can blow it off. And some hurt more deeply because there's a resonance in the energy of it. And that resonance is there's a small part of you inside that believes what they said. Yes. So we have to nurture in the moment. We can't just brush it off. That's really disrespectful to our emotions. It doesn't mean you're being overly sensitive. It doesn't mean you're not cut out for business. It just means you're a human being. So how do we nurture that and say, okay, 20 minute tea break, go have a biscuit, go have a walk, go take a nap, go punch a wall. And then we're going to regroup at this meeting and say, how do we make sure these things don't happen again? Um, and not because we have to solve every parent's problem, but because we have a bigger vision here. And the bigger we go, they're going to be more of those texts and they're going to be even more thank you texts that, of course, we don't even notice that much because we don't look at them. Those don't those don't register for us for some reason. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I hope that really helps everybody because I know it's something that that we all really struggle with. And, you know, and it can be, you know, really, um, really damaging because that can then feed into the, like you, you mentioned, Shari, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be doing that. Who am I to run a dance school if this is how people feel when they're in my school? You know, and it can literally be, you know, the biggest voice shouting at us. And, um, you know, it's important, like you said, that you recognize it you know, the whole age old saying, you know, you can't keep everybody happy 100% of the time, um, you know, is is true. And it's the same for all of us. But we have to be able to take what's a gem from yeah. that, because yeah. I strongly believe that every moan and every complaint, you know, is an opportunity for us to just look at ourselves, not always to say that we're wrong, because sometimes we're really not. Sometimes we're not, sometimes we are. But it's an opportunity to just stop and look, just to gaze in. And, you know, I think once we can do that, but then kindly move on without it having that damaging effect where, you know, three months later, you're not doing that thing anymore because somebody made you feel like you couldn't do that. Like, I think that's a real place of empowerment, isn't it? When you can get to that stage. 1000%. And also realize that what comes with our growth is the fact that not everyone's going to be happy only because there are more people in the room. So if you think about it, if you have 10 students and two are unhappy, that same percentage on 200 is going to be more numbers, but it didn't change the percentage at all. And also in our growth, a lot of people, including our students and our loyal people, aren't going to like that they don't get the personalized attention. It's actually a good growth metric. It means you aren't staying the same or building your business for everyone else anymore. And those growth pains can be uncomfortable and we have to get comfortable with the discomfort of how can I replace my service without me being in the room? How can I make sure my customers get what they need without me having to be the one who stays up till midnight? So sometimes this data is really helpful for us not to then go solve the problem for the other person, but to say, great, this just showed me a weakness in the business. How can I solve it with my assistant? Do I need an operations manager? Is there something that I'm paying too much attention to and ignoring this? And if we didn't get that feedback and we only got positive feedback all the time, although it would be really nice for our egos, we would have absolutely no growth opportunities because nothing would be changing in our business. Mm, that's a fabulous way to look at <laughs> look at those frustrating parents. And you know what? I've done polls. I've polled my my members and my and my followers, and I've said, you know, what's your biggest challenge in your business? And it always comes up as parents. Yeah. And so I think to to be able to view those moments and those times when we get upset by certain things with our our parents, I think to be able to view them as oh, okay, well, this doesn't necessarily feel very nice, but what an amazing opportunity for me to, as I said before, A, learn and grow and potentially create something even better in my business, but also to recognize the fact that the business has to be substantial to a certain extent for me to be able to get this many complaints. <laughs> it's a really good sign because it means people are paying attention and it means they want to buy in. And I know that sounds so strange because it sounds counterintuitive, but if they didn't care and didn't want to be part of your world, they would not send any message. They wouldn't. Mm, they so wouldn't care. They'd go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, so yeah. It, what here is here for me to learn and what here is not mine to pick up. And a lot of it will be not mine to pick up because they're trying to keep you small because they liked the fact that you did everything for them. And there's nothing wrong with it. And you don't have to continue doing that. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we have to let go of certain customers and, yes. and parents for our own growth because they're just going to hold us back. Yeah. I feel like that's another whole conversation. And in fact, we could go on all yes. day and all night. <laughs> Very happily, both of us. I know. And then realize that we've actually got to do some, some other work as well. Um, Shari, it's just so fascinating. I hope everyone's really enjoyed listening so, so far to this. If you want more, of Shari, you're going to have to come and join my membership because then you can get a bit more of Shari every month. Um, but before we go, a little, little uh, plug there, um, I have just some fun daft questions, which I quite love to just... I love a daft question. A lot, just love to throw these out at the last minute. But I'm going to challenge you, Mr. Mr. Teagman, because these have got to be quick answers. I know right. not challenge I, accepted. I will do my best. <laughs> not that I don't love all your answers, but I know, I know that we always get so much from you. Okay, here we go. I've got them written down because otherwise I won't remember them all. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite mountain view? Ooh. So um, great question. I've done a lot of hiking in Israel and if climbing up these beautiful mountains and you're looking out over both desert on one side and mountain and green on the other side is just, I don't know, there's something about being in a small country that has every topography that there is that just makes the world and nature just seem unbelievable to me. Wow. I don't think I've ever met anyone that's been to Israel. How else? I lived there for a year. You would absolutely love it. It's like any everything you can think of in a small place. It's magical. Oh, fantastic. Um, Favorite business book? Ooh. Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Amazing book. Okay. Yep. It's on my shelf. I love it when I ask everyone these questions and they're all on my (laughs) shelf. You're like, got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Favorite person from history that's no longer alive that you'd love to spend 15 minutes with? Oh, this is a good one. I feel like it's going to be Joan of Arc just because I love a badass, powerful woman. And I just want to get in her brain like, how the hell did you get so bold and brave and mavericky? Yeah, I'd go with Joan of Arc. It had to be a maverick, didn't it? I love a feisty girl. What can I say? A little Susan <laughs> Yes. Okay. Famous person that you would love to spend 15 with minutes with now that's still alive. I know that it's very trite, but I can't deny my love for Oprah Winfrey. I just adore she's, her. She's mine. She's mine. Yeah, I, just, I, I hate it because I feel like everyone says that, but like, I feel like we're best friends and she just doesn't know it yet. So <laughs> sorry, Gail, but I feel like I need a turn with Oprah. She's actually on my my biggest my biggest wish list for something that I feel in my life that I could possibly never achieve. But you have to put something out there. So meeting Oprah is is one of those things. And actually, I haven't got close at all to that. But I did um, interview the lovely Andrea McLean a couple Who of is years. absolutely wonderful, amazing, and gorgeous. One of my favorite clients. Yes. yes. Um, and she's interviewed Oprah. So I feel like I've got one, well, sir, one, one degree of separation. You're right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, favorite type of person to work with? Ooh, I love these. My favorite type of person is the maverick who doesn't yet know. I'm moving my, if you can't see me, I'm moving my hands like in a sinister plan way. <laughs> way. I love someone who doesn't realize where their maverick is in their life, but they're curious and fed up about what they haven't figured out. 
I just feel like they're on the precipice of change and expansion. And I just love being that last tipping point that just flicks them over to crack open. Oh, it's delicious to me. (laughs) What in your mind is a maverick? So funny you should say this. This is not a plug, but it just happens to be sitting here on my journal right here. Um, The actual definition of a maverick from the Oxford Dictionary is an unorthodox or independent-minded person. Individualist, nonconformist, free spirit, unorthodox, original, and eccentric. So to me, a maverick is someone who it's it's not like a rebel, but it's like a rebel. Like a rebel to me rebels against anything for any reason just to be different. <clears throat> Where a maverick really finds their own way. And sometimes that's the regular route. And sometimes it's just following your own internal compass to find what's right for you and bring more good and impact and change to the world based upon your unique viewpoint and your unique way of doing things without needing to change into somebody else. I love this. I feel like I want to be a maverick. You already are a maverick. (laughs) Oh, I just, I fished for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a couple more favorite crisps, Shari. Oh, we know this is a big thing for me. Hands down, I will say salt and vinegar squares, except when I'm feeling really dirty and bad, it's got to be McCoy chip shop salt and vinegar. Like you need to take a shower after them and they're so worth it. I dream about these things. Those people that don't know this about Shari, she has a massive... A massive, what do we call it? A massive crisp addiction. Yeah. Crisp addiction. And my I client guess- said to me, I should be sponsored by one of the UK companies. And I should be. I eat very healthy when I'm home. I live right outside New York City. All of my clients are in the UK. I get off that plane. Clients bring me bags and bags and bags, besides what I buy, even just an MS when I get out in from the uh plane. Um, it's a major issue. And then I come home and have to shed all of my crisp uh celebrations. I know. And the problem is we all know about it now so like you say everybody walks up to you and just showers you with packets yes, they do crisps. and i love every second of it it's quite hysterical <laughs> mine's chocolate by the way just in case anybody needed to know hey, if anyone's sh- looking to shower me <laughs> yeah absolutely next time you all meet me in person you can shower me with chocolate you have my permission <laughs> um favorite hobby or pastime that has nothing to do with business or um, family my One of my top love languages is cooking and feeding people. So my happy place is in the kitchen, like a, like a domestic goddess, barefoot dancing in my kitchen and cooking and feeding the people that I love or just cooking for anybody. Um, like I have two boys, 20 and 22 who are home for the summer, but generally not home. I'll cook anyway and drop food off at neighbors. Just, it is something that's very wholesome and nourishing for me. It just makes me very, very happy to cook. Oh, and I have one last one just to wrap up. What is your favorite childhood memory? So I grew up with a Holocaust survivor grandmother who I'm 4'11 and I made her look tall. She was about 4'6". And I'd say she died when I was 18. She died four days after my high school graduation. She was my best friend and my kindred spirit. So I think if I look back to my favorite childhood memory, it was she used to sew all of our clothing and she she would sit in our basement and she wore like a little kerchief on her head and I would sit on a chair next to her, a little chair, put a kerchief on my head and pretend to do what she did. I get well up with tears even when I think about it. I have her sewing machine right here her from like I don't know, 1920 or something. Um, just the magic of the generational connection and for me, family is so important due to how much we lost. Um, just growing up on her knee was the greatest honor. So for me, that really molded my childhood and who I am now. 
Oh, what a beautiful way to finish on that lovely emotional high. <laughs> Shari, what what can you tell us about how people can find out more about you? Do you have anything coming up that you'd love to share? Like if people just need some more Shari, where do they go? What do they do? Amazing. So you can find me very easily on Facebook and Instagram. Shari Teagman is my handle on both. I'm mostly active on Instagram business-wise. So you can find me on there. Um, I actually have, if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, I right now have a 30-day free Maverick Mindset Mojo. It's 30 days free, a little tip and a couple of uh, journal prompts coming into your inbox for 30 days, just a little something I threw together based upon the questions I get asked all the time. And upcoming, I have a new program going to be a four week live experience with me called dare. That's going to help you get your mindset for success um, set for scale and impact very different than other mindset stuff that's been out there. We are not clearing blocks. You are not broken, but this is about taking who you are, where you've been and turning that into fuel for the future. So that should be coming up in about the next month. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Wow. Well, everybody listening, I will see you there in Dan <laughs> because I think we all need this. <laughs> I need it, which is why I wrote it. I'm like excited. I know whenever I need something, I go through all of my own processes, first of all, to check it in because I'm extremely human. And I went through, I created this process and went through it. I'm like, okay, this one needs to be birthed in the world. So it is being currently birthed. Amazing. So everybody, I think you've all had some huge pearls of wisdom and some big light bulb moments during this um, interview. Do check out everything that Shari uh, Shari has just shared with you. Um, Thank you so much. As always, unbelievably awesome hanging out with you. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, take care. And we'll see you all on the next episode of the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. that's it for today thank you for listening to the ultimate dance business podcast of course you can come and find me in facebook instagram linkedin and on youtube but the real magic happens within my membership sparks ignite or illuminate there's one for each one of you depending on your level of investment time and motivation so check out the website dancebusinesslab.com Click on work with me and let's see if we can really start to make a difference. Are you looking to get precious time back in your life so you can make more time doing the things you love? DanceBiz is a class management and booking software from the lovely folk at Think Smart that will automate and streamline all your dance school admin. It's the perfect tool for all those tasks that just seem to take so long and will help you to work smarter, not harder. Message me today, folks, and I can give you a code so you can get two months free.